folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism to find common ground that brings us together. I like that. It was I'm almost like a beat poet. <laughs> and I'm Theory Cratchit. And today, we are going to talk about Christmas oh, yes. on this very merry Christmas Eve. That's right. What a festive time, Christmas. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I figure today we'll start out by uh, going all the way, 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 way back before Christmas was Jesus's birthday mm-hmm. to the kind of original, if you will, Christmas, I use air quotes there, uh, celebration. Yeah, maybe the more apt way to describe it would be the winter celebration. There you go. Because that's solstice what it is. Celebration, a, Yeah, there is a will. staple of humanity, and that is that we have winter celebration. That's right. So, and, and, and back throughout history, this has been the time where we celebrate the ending of winter, you know, the shortest day of the year, and, and we praise the oncoming sun and the mm-hmm. life that it brings and mm-hmm. spring and all that fun stuff. So traditionally, solstice celebrations were a lot of drinking, mm. a, a lot of banging, uh, maybe spraying some blood from the slaughtered animals <laughs> yeah. around the well, around the buildings and shelters. Actually, they they actually stretch even as far back as the Neolithic era, and we're not even sure exactly what the the winter solstice celebration, you know, like what all it entailed. Well, if uh, they were smart, but they people, have found. Yeah, they I'd have say found it was drinking, banging. <laughs> And feasting. Yeah. And the feast was a big part because at the end uh, of winter, you had a herd that might not survive the winter. Right. Um, in fact, probably wasn't going to survive the winter. So in a lot of cases, uh, communities would have a mass slaughter of the extra animals mm-hmm. and they would eat really, really well. Yeah. And you also, you know, you're, you're, you're right after the harvest. You know what I'm saying? You're getting ready to go into the, the, you know, at least when you when you start talking about Germanic tribes, which is where, you know, we first see Yule and all that stuff, you're getting ready to go into the heart of the winter where it's going to be the hardest. You're not really going to be feeling, uh, you know, traveling 15 miles to go see all your neighbors and, you know, back at the town or whatever right. village that you got going on. You're probably just going to be at the homestead. So it's like the last chance uh, to have a little bit of like community interaction as well. Yeah, to, to, really, to really party down. And to me... Uh, if Christmas had stayed here as as the Yule, the solstice celebration, I'd be happy. I love it. Uh, I don't. I can't think of any better way to celebrate uh, the oncoming spring than uh, than doing all those wonderful, and fun things. Covering yourselves, <laughs> covering yourself in the blood of your livestock. Okay, maybe I could leave the blood out. <laughs> but the eating, drinking, and banging those are all good in my yeah, book. No, I'm just absolutely. saying. Yep. Um. So so later in time, and this is one of those things that I feel like gets thrown around a lot in mm-hmm. in casual conversation. People talk about how Christianity was appropriated uh from the pe- early pagan religions, mm-hmm. you know, by the Romans, uh et cetera, et cetera. I feel like we all talk about that, but uh people don't really know the details. So I right. figured this would be a good time to talk about uh the details and what exactly went on in Roman times um that that we call this, you know, this appropriation, you know, whatever yeah. this amalgamation is that we now call Christmas, uh, I think has its has its start uh, officially in Yule and Solstice, but it looks a lot, a little more like what was happening uh, under the Roman Christianity. It right. starts to anyway. Right, it right. starts to take shape. Um, so uh, Romans had the the festival of Saturnalia and Juvenalia 
Mm-hmm. And and in Juvenalia, they ce- celebrated uh, Mithra. You know anything yeah. about Mithra? I don't know much about Mithra. Uh, but the one fact that's kind of important is Mithra was born on December you guessed 25th, it, yeah. December 25th. And you actually, you, you get into that. So that's not, you know, we're going to talk about something that happens across the board because I believe it was, uh, is it Gilgamesh that, that almost perfectly matches up with Jesus when you look at his miracles and works and all that stuff? Oh, so, I have, that's the first so, I heard of that. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. You see that a lot, especially back then. You see as one religion starts to rise, it takes on stories and fables and characteristics of the other religion, kind of, you know, amalgamates them, comes to this, this nice blend so that it can be, you know, more inclusive. So you don't have to necessarily kill all the followers of Gilgamesh. <laughs> you just got to kill the ones who refuse to get with the program, right? And, and to an extent, that's kind of what we start seeing in Rome. Now, there's a couple things that kind of coincide, and people have kind of been having this argument for a long time about how... Christmas came to be put on the 25th, right? Because if, if you read the Bible, here we are. We've got shepherds <laughs> tending flocks and everything. Doesn't really happen in the winter. And yet that's supposed yeah. to be December 25th. Well, part of it is uh, there, was, there was a calculation made, right? And one of the things you have to understand is back in the day, it was a, it was a widespread belief in Jewish culture that great men died on the same day they were born, hmm. right? That's pretty odd. Okay. So with Jesus, it became, I, I think it was, I think it was conceived. So since Jesus died on March 25th, according to their reckoning, and, and I, I swear we're giving y'all the, the quick and dirty version. We're leaving out the switch to the Julian calendar, the switch to the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> but anyway, since Jesus allegedly died on March the 25th, he had to have been conceived on March the 25th and nine months from March the 25th oh, okay. is December 25th. Okay. So there's that, and then you've got the Romans saying, hey, you know, Christianity is becoming a force within the Roman Empire. Uh-huh. We want to incorporate them. Some of them are already keeping Saturnalia and, and Juvenalia and all yes. that stuff. So why don't we just kind of merge these two holidays together? And then as the the Christian, you know, the organized Christian church became more ascendant, that, that really worked out for them too, you know what right, I'm saying? That right. helped them get holdouts, so... So I think it's kind of a, 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 what do you call it, a confluence of like a few different things. Yeah. Uh, but people have been arguing for a long time which one had more bearing than the other. Right. And, and in Norway at the time, the same thing was kind of happening, just kind of the opposite. Uh, I found a King Hakon I uh, actually hid his own Christianity from the heathenist pagans that, <laughs> that he ruled over, and he rescheduled their Yule celebrations uh, to actually coincide with the Christian celebrations um, that were, you know, that were established in, in Rome. Right. Uh, and he fed them, he got them drunk. Uh, and you know, apparently no one even noticed until Christianity ruled over, <laughs> over yeah. Norway, you know, 50 years later, hundred years later, he snuck um, it in. I found a quote though. He said, at, it, this said at the time, everyone was to have ale for the celebration with a measure of grain or else pay fines and had to keep the holiday while the ale lasted. What a ruler, man. I yeah. mean, on the one hand, he's kind of subverting the will of his people. He's sneaking yeah. in as a Christian and helping establish, uh, establish this religion, maybe unbeknownst to them. But man, he provided the ale. He gave you the grain and said, drink it till it's gone, guys. You can't fault him too much. No, man. I mean, you know, decreeing that we're going to party until the wheels fall off. Man, that's, <laughs> that is a dude that I can certainly get behind. I just thought it was interesting that 
that these things were happening in multiple places across the world at roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this this push, and maybe like you said, it you know it didn't necessarily have to be uh, this this dark and foreboding force in the background. Maybe it's just a natural thing that happens as cultures clash yeah. um, and attempt to merge. Um, but I just think it's really interesting that that the same thing happened in, in multiple places across the world at the same time. And mm-hmm. and maybe there was a powerful, uh, powerful force sitting on a church board somewhere that said, hey, let's spread this far and wide and, you know, came back and said, well, how do we do that effectively? And this was one of the ways. Well, no, I do. I, I think in, in probably in maybe a smaller scale than you do, but I do think it's, it's a very effective tool, right? And and I do think that there are people who are in the know in the moment who are like, uh, yes, I don't want the people at my gates, you know, burning my house down because I'm celebrating Saturnalia and not Christmas or Christmas and not Saturnalia. So I'll just find a way to merge the two. I'll find mm. a way to marry them up. You if know we're all I mean? celebrating at the same yeah. time, who's got time to be mad at each other? Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think that that is you know it's it's you'll see that with other things you know, and I'm I'm struggling to draw a reference, you know, off the top of my head. But anyway, uh, you'll see uh, parallels like that around the world throughout history where, you know, if something's a good idea, something's a good idea. That's and a good find point, it yeah. eventually, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So what did, what did this celebration look like um, after everything kind of merged? Um, it, was, it was great. It was a lot like the solstice celebrations, a lot of drinking, mm-hmm. um, celebrations of fertility. Um, but in Rome specifically, uh, it had this very um, kind of justice, even a social justice bent, where where roles flip flopped, and the nobles were serving the peasants, and the peasants were parading around pretending to be nobles. Oh, the slaves and too, yeah, it, yeah. And they'd yeah. knock on the doors and and ask for handouts, and if you didn't give them handouts, they raised hell with you. Yeah. So it's interesting that that the Roman Christmas is actually the beginnings of our modern trick-or-treat celebrations mm, yeah, that happen yeah. at Halloween. It's kind of <laughs> wild. No, it is, it is wild. And it's, uh, I think, I think what's interesting though, there is there's a kernel about, about giving. Right. And so what I think, and this is just me, man, I don't know, maybe this is written down, you know, in a book somewhere and I, I haven't seen it, but I think that you can trace the whole thing with Christmas about like giving and, and, and all that stuff all the way back to what we were talking about with the harvest and then winter. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like what better time to help your neighbors out who maybe whose crops didn't come up. The bounty when, of nature. Cause and- when we were talking, when I said that, you know, the, the solstice celebrations stretch back to the Neolithic era, the Neolithic era in human history is actually uh, a time when people uh, most closely resembled what we commonly think of today as Indian tribes. Okay, and they were egalitarian. There wasn't a lot of like hierarchies. Like everybody was in it together. They didn't have like you know a lot of social stuff. So except I think, Lazy Bob that was over there like picking his ear while everyone was yeah, out hunting. He, he what may, do you think they did be, with Lazy Bob, <laughs> yeah, dude? He might not have got a bigger share, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think um, I think that that has a lot of impact on uh, on that whole spirit of giving, and I think. You know, it's it's almost like I think the same thing happens with like Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like we we talk about pilgrims and we talk about America and all that stuff, but <coughs> slaughter, <coughs> genocide. <yeah. laughs> but but look at us, man. I mean, <clears throat> realistically, we're we're a, an agrarian people who are gathering at the table at harvest time mm. to enjoy the bounty and give thanks. I mean, that's that's what it is, right? Sure. You know. So I mean, we dress it up, but there it is. So back in Roman times. 
we're talking Christmas starting in like the three four hundreds, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the first uh, recorded Christmas celebration, and that's not like officially recorded. It's like some dude mentions in his diary that he was at a Christmas festivity. That's so cool that we have like a diary from some random dude from 325. That's that's awesome. Um, So Christmas doesn't change much for a long time. Right. Um, Eventually, when we arrive, and I say we loosely, when the American people (laughs) arrive in America um, and bring religion with them, Mm -hmm. uh, the Puritans have a very different view on Christmas and actually don't, they don't believe in Christmas for the very reason you said earlier, right? Why would shepherds watch their flocks yeah. uh, in the middle of winter? And there's no biblical evidence for that. Well, and don't, and don't forget that people were having fun. And if there's anything Puritans hate, <laughs> if there's anything that Puritans hate, it is fun, man. Truthfully these the enough. Same, these are the same people who outlawed dancing. Right. I mean, and not, and actually, out, uh, outlawing Christmas is exactly what they did in some cases. In, <laughs> yeah. in Boston, uh, Christmas was outlawed for a while by the Puritanical rulers. Other colonies, other places, Christmas was fine. People celebrated yeah. in much the same way that the Romans were celebrating in yeah. year 400. In in some respects, now there were, to be fair though, there were over that that time period because you're talking about like from 325 to 1600. the The difference is is that you do have the Catholic Church, which is kind of like a, a glue that kind of holds things together. But but by and large, you you have a lot of disparate things, right? So like you've got the Eastern Orthodox Church, you've got uh whatever you know members of the Germanic tribes who have been. Uh, you know, Christianized, and, and right. now they're into Christian. So they've got their own thing going on. They're still burning the Yule log right. from Yule. You know what I mean? So you have all these little traditions here and there. So like, yes, uh, some of the common themes are the the rowdiness and the drinking and stuff. But while it is true that some of the the you know Roman traditions, by virtue of the fact that the Roman Empire was so big, uh, are dominant in you know this place or that place or that place, they're still much more variation than we even see today right. in, in celebrating Christmas. So at, at this point in history, there was no congealed Christmas like we know it today. No Santa with the red hat and the bag on his back and the Christmas tree and the lights and the ornaments and things. Right. Um, these weren't, you know, a consolidated idea of Christmas yet. Right. Um, so what happens in the early 19th century, 1800s, um, things all of a sudden start changing for Christmas. And I think it starts uh, with a Christmas riot in New York <laughs> City. I know. It's, ah, a it's Christmas cra- riot. It's crazy, right? <laughs> um, so it's a period of kind of unemployment, um, and and it's not a, not a great time for most people. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, hang on, hang on, we, hang on. I'm, I'm still... Join us this fall on ABC for a Christmas riot <laughs> with our family and friends. That's right. Because think about it. Christmas is this time where you're where you're trick or treating. You know, you're, you're you're knocking on the doors of rich people and asking for handouts, and they're feeling the squeeze too. And everyone's mad because they don't have jobs. Yeah. Um, so they 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 end up rioting. And what does New York City do with this riot? They actually spin up. New York City's first police force mm. to deal with the Christmas riot. And I think a lot of people uh, at that time kind of realized we got to do something about this whole Christmas it's thing. It's getting a bit out of hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so how best to change America's view of Christmas than with Santa Claus? Right. Ring, ring, ring a jing, jing, jingling. Uh, the, 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 the fat man that we all know and love. 
Um, and we can take Santa Claus back to uh, its roots in like St. Nicholas, the mm-hmm. actual St. Nicholas, uh, who was a 4th century Greek Christian bishop uh, who lived in a province of the Byzantine Empire, which is what, now Turkey? Yeah. Uh, St. Nicholas would give gifts to the poor. Um, and I, I even read something in, in my readings about giving impoverished daughters uh, dowries so they wouldn't have to become prostitutes. Like, what a good guy. Yeah, that, saving, that, what a great guy. Saving yeah. young girls from prostitution. But the images we have of St. Nicholas are with the long beard. Right. Um, so a lot of a lot of the modern imagery is is obviously very clearly borrowed well, from that. The, and heck, we call him Saint Nick. It's the it's the jolly elf version of of you know center Klaus because that's another thing to remember. I mean, he's you know he's worldwide Santa Claus, and he was there is this guy and that that Saint Nicholas that came through the Catholic Church, like, right? You know, celebrating Saint Nicholas and his works and his acts and all that stuff. But then the jolly elf springs into being in America. Uh, in the 19th century and things from there decidedly take a turn you know mm-hmm. there, there does begin to become this congealed there uh, does image and, of Christmas. and it's interesting because we can go actually all the way back to the original Yule celebrations and and look at uh Odin's job mm-hmm. during you know the the Norse pagan god Odin he would fly across the sky observing his subjects and and determine who deserved the bounty. Right. Uh, for how they behaved, so so there's the naughty and nice list going right. on. There's the sleigh flying across the the sky. No, I think, I think, I think his he, horse was named Slepnir. Yeah, he absolutely. Uh, if you were naughty, you would not prosper. Your fields would not prosper the next year. If you were right. nice, yeah, no, it's it's a direct parallel. Uh, that's actually not the only parallel uh, between the ancient Norse, you know, pagan yeah. Germanic religions and Christianity. They also have a myth of Ask and Imbia, which are remarkably similar to Adam and Eve. Yeah. Uh, and that's their their legend of the first two humans, you know, that created the species. So Yeah, no, it's all it's all building on one another. If you thought that your religion was unique, that should have been blown out of the water the day you realized that Saturn and Zeus were the same person. You know what I mean? <laughs> no kidding. Um, so, so America is is starting to change the idea of Santa, and and we see some some other interesting things happen. We have the the famous poem "Twas the Night Before Christmas," published in I don't know eighteen twenties, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually published anonymously, which is really weird, and started hitting magazines and newspapers. Uh, and all through the house, the stockings were hung by the chimney with yep. care. And we have all of these Christmas tropes that mm-hmm. are starting to emerge and hit public consciousness. Yeah. And I think eventually they all kind of work together to succeed in changing our ideas about Christmas. I know yeah. there was an author um, that wrote a book about Christian tradition. Well, there was uh, there was that Washington Irving, who was actually an early uh, you know famous American author. Some say the first famous American author. And uh, he's the guy who wrote, you know, Rip Van Winkle and Sleepy Hollow and stuff. He wrote the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. And while he was in England uh, at this one estate, I forget where it was, uh, he experienced all these, you know, Christmas tra- traditions that were unique to them. That, that you know, that, like their region had, you know, as we discussed all those disparate things. But he came back and wrote a book about it as if that was the sophisticated way to celebrate Christmas. Uh-huh. And sure enough, because of 
you know, his popularity with Sleepy Hollow and all that stuff that became wildly popular. He is also a uh, fair note. He is also the guy who created the myth of people thinking that the earth was flat when Columbus sailed, uh, in 1492 really yeah he wrote this uh, atrocious biography of christopher columbus and you know he put in there that uh you know people thought the earth was flat and that's what columbus was doing to make columbus he he believed that america like um needed its own uh you know its own legends and its own uh-huh. you know its own place in the sun and, and he was instrumental in creating some and, of those and he, and he absolutely was and in fact other people uh who isn't longfellow uh called him one of his uh, big influences and longfellow is the guy who completely lied to us about Paul Revere's ride so i mean <laughs> throughout the entire 19th century that's kind of what's happening there you know that's kind of funny and 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 later we have a thomas nast come mm-hmm. out who who he, he largely popularized the image of Santa that we see today. And Thomas Nast was uh, the father of the American cartoon in a lot of regards. He was a uh, illustrator that worked for Harper's and uh, did political cartoons and stuff. Yeah. And he Usually started influential. he yeah. started drawing Santa with you know the big beard and the bag full of presents and the red hat with the fluffy ball on it mm. um and you can find his drawings they they've got them all collected in a book you, you basically mean the coke santa yeah? i mean the yeah. coke santa yeah, yeah. yeah. thomas nast actually completely created the coke santa and you can see places where he borrowed you know mm-hmm. uh pieces of culture he grabbed from here and amalgamated them and and smashed them into santa and people loved it mm-hmm. they loved santa um Interestingly enough, Thomas Nast was also the guy who created the elephant logo for the GOP. Yeah. Um, And he was largely accepted as being uh, somewhat the decider of elections for like 20 years because of his political cartoons. Well, yeah, political cartoons were huge back then. You know, a good political... And they were actually... And I don't know if... I don't know if our listeners have ever looked at 19th century political cartoons, but like... And they are so detailed and stacked and stacked with meaning. Like there are layers there, man. It's like an yeah. onion. You got to peel it back. Uh, I would actually, I don't know if it's nast, but uh, no joke. Check out the the political cartoon uh, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. I cannot remember what scandal it is, but like he's he's this gymnast, right? And he's holding these rings and he's got his cuz Grant had one of the most notoriously corrupt cabinets in the history of, you know, the presidency. Right. And and he's holding all them up. They're all holding on to the weights and stuff and he's holding it by his teeth. And it's just like <laughs> and he, and they went and they drew every little dude like accurate to his picture and all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and people people loved the cartoons. You know, heck, I think some people bought newspapers just to Read the cartoons. I don't think yeah. that's too far. Yeah. No, no, I, I think that happens today. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Uh, but we really see the the amalgamation now of thousands of years of history, kind of congealing into this real idea. Um, this idea of a unified Christmas that looks mm-hmm. a lot less like drunken, rowdy partying um, and knocking on doors asking for handouts. And yeah. more the tiny Tim, you know. Yeah, and, I was gonna say, don't undersell Charles Dickens, man. A Christmas right. Carol is, you know, right. That, that is a lot of our mythos about Christmas, and and the in the broader the broader moral meanings of Christmas, or you know, a lot of that is right there in a Christmas. There's Christmas. broader moral meanings than just buy presents for <laughs> for people. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I say, look at uh, you know, look at a Christmas Carol, man. It's all there. It's a uh, 
you know, Tiny Tim and God bless us, everyone. It's it's Scrooge uh, getting away from his his miserliness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the the um, the the ghost of Christmas present. I mean, think about the way he's pictured. You know, right? He's, he's hearty and hale, and and the feast is all around him, and all that stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of that is right there in a Christmas Carol, and, and, and it impacts us huge even today. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point there. Uh, Carol Jean Swanson wrote in Mothering and and summed this up really nicely. Uh, our jolly old Saint Nicholas, she says, reflects our culture to a T. For he's fanciful, exuberant, bountiful, overweight, and highly commercial. He also mirrors some of our highest ideals. Childhood purity and innocence, selfless giving, unfaltering love, justice, and mercy. What child has received a coal for Christmas? The problem is that in this process, he has become burdened with some of society's greatest challenges. Materialism, corporate greed, and domination by the media. Here... Santa carries more in his baggage than toys alone. And I agree to a hundred percent T because something <laughs> happened between the 1800s and now mm-hmm. uh, for, for Santa to become the Coke Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it happened. It happened across the board. And I think kind of like she's saying, Santa obviously reflects that. I mean, I think like, you know, as a society, the industrial revolution, you know, the way that how we even buy things changed, the rise of advertising, which mm-hmm. I know you're, um, but uh, all those things kind of kind of coalesce, and they and they kind of hit Santa the hardest, did they not? You know, yeah, I mean? absolutely, because Christmas uh, uh, Christmas just became this magnet. Uh, it, it's when, once once you get past the religious connotations, right, and and you're not having this solemn celebration of jesus even you know that the puritans didn't even want to have then what are you left with right you're not you're not left with much else but either drunken revelry or the present giving and stuff until you give it uh uh, a name give it a label which is kind of like what i think dickens did Mm. in a sense um but then sure enough like madison avenue gets a hold of that that's right and they're like yeah and we'll use that to help you buy your favorite character Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> yeah. was actually a creation of a Montgomery Ward copywriter, uh, Robert L. May, in 1939, released Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to draw people into Montgomery Ward stores. Right. And now we accept Rudolph as like this big Christmas tradition, and this marks, to me, the beginning of sellout Christmas. No. I mean, if there's anything that <laughs> defines sellout, it's riding Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to get people into Montgomery Ward to buy shirts and shoes and yeah. ties and belts and coats and things that no one really needed right. just because you have to give your loved ones presents yeah. in December. For context, this is also around the same time that Take Me Out to the Ball Game was written Ah, to help get people into the baseball park. And you know what I'm saying? That was an ad guy that wrote that. So, I mean, you, you, again, you see that like kind of across the board, you know, as these guys start realizing once people started having free time, once people weren't out there baking their or breaking their backs, farming all day, then we started sitting around and coming up with ways to make more money and more money (laughs) and more money. And, and it, and it really did, uh, you know, again, it really did hit Christmas the hardest maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting the the power of advertising 
Um, because you look at, I, I think when people think about Christmas, they think about Coke. Because mm-hmm. Christmas, every, every year they do the, the Santa Claus advertisements and they do the family by the fire and, you know, Santa drinking a Coke and stuff. And, and I think it's interesting. There are studies where they've hooked up people's brains in countries that have run Coca-Cola advertisements. Mm-hmm. And when they're shown the specific shade of red from, from that advertisement, mm-hmm. the dopamine centers in their brain light up. Mm-hmm. If you take people from countries that were not subjected to those ads, doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think that speaks real strongly to kind of the power of advertising and what and 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 what people have taken. You know, what should be a celebration of of the harvest and and the coming sun. Well, see, and I think turned it into a sales tool. I think that's an important part of it, though, right? Because it's building on the foundation of those concepts of Christmas, right? Like that's probably think about it. Like, you know, you said, I, I, I love Coca-Cola, man. I, I drink a lot of it. I'm yeah. here to tell you, man, Coca-Cola is <laughs> like one of my things, man. Um, but I don't, I don't really associate it with Christmas, but I am aware of the Coke Santa and the, the polar bear commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember those. Um, but I think like, to me, it's more so, it's more so Coke riding on the coattails of how much I enjoy Christmas. Right. And subvert then then that Coke built up Christmas, mm. which is, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like you can see where the 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 Montgomery Ward guy uh, with Rudolph, he is creating an element of Christmas. Right. Everybody who can remember that claymation Rudolph with the abominable snowman and yeah. everything, you know, that that is a product of commercialization. So if it's a warm, fuzzy memory for you. Unfortunately, that's where it sprang from. But, you know, but <laughs> but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily detract from its from its meaning or morality yeah. or its a, its larger effect. Though. But I just I just think it's like you know the the dopamine with the you know advertisers. You're going to marry your product up to the best sure things you can think of if and, you're a good and, advertiser. And Christmas that's... Christmas is often about as wholesome as it gets, man. <laughs> I mean, at least in theory, right? <laughs> I don't know about wholesome, man. The whole naughty or nice thing, like making a list and checking it twice. You've got some guy that flies across the sky that's watching your kids and he knows everything you do. When you picked your butt crack and sniffed it last (laughs) week, Santa knows, boy. (laughs) Santa knows. And that among, you know, coupled with the the commercialization of, of Christmas, this is why I absolutely hate Christmas. I feel like we've turned it topsy-turvy from this situation where where the plebs and the peons got to rule for a week and got free ale and and free food and feasted and celebrated the 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 harvest and the bounty and and the coming spring and we've turned it into the complete opposite which is spend your last thousand dollars to make sure your kids have have presents under the tree even if you're putting the the heating bill on your credit card you know mm. spend 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 funnel it up to the rich while Scrooge counts his pennies in the corner <laughs> yeah no that is that is certainly a, a thread that has become dominant, especially, you know, over the last hundred years or whatever. And you do have people uh, who are losing their damn minds. I actually, uh, this year, for the first time in my life, went out on Black Friday. Say right? it ain't so. No, I know, man. So they had a PlayStation, right? <laughs> and oh, it the was, PlayStation deals were incredible. <laughs> they were incredible. It was $199 terabyte, and it came with Spider-Man. And, and a I, controller, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A controller, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, so I actually, I was like, all right, man, I, I, I don't know what to do here, but I'm, I'm going to go Black Friday. And it was funny because the entire time I felt like um, that episode, or I'm sorry, the uh, in Talladega Nights, when Ricky Bobby doesn't know what to do with his hands, yeah. like I'm, I'm standing in line outside of Target and these girls come skipping down the parking lot uh, with like, you know, Christmas war paint on and, and their little earmuffs and they're singing songs about how excited they are to go shop. And I don't know what to do. You know, I was like, I, I told my friend, I was like, nothing in my life has prepared me for what's going on here. You know? So, so anyway, uh, you know, target is a wash, you know, we don't end up getting the playstations. We go to Walmart, of course, cause it's black Friday. And I guess that's what happens. You go to 12 different stores and we're Walmart is all messed up. Like when you walk in, they've got the registers closed. They've got stuff out on pallets. The PlayStations are in the grocery to wow. help with the flow of people <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's all this crazy stuff going on. So we shoot back to electronics, not knowing what we're doing. And we hear somebody say the PlayStations are in the grocery, right? And, and it's this lady and she has her son with her. And we start heading over to the grocery section. Well, you know, getting over there, we... We're in front of her. I mean, it's not like I pushed her down or anything. Sure, sure, I just sure moved a little quicker yeah. than she did. Uh -huh, That's uh -huh. all it was. So I can see you like hustling your arms, swinging real fast. <laughs> you're power walking <laughs> through the clothing I'm to get, get the, to grocery. I'm get that PlayStation. Man. <laughs> so, so I get there, and the, they have tickets, right? Because they've only got thirty PlayStations. Mm. I didn't even realize that was the case, right? I thought. Black Friday sale, PlayStations are one night. Yeah, PlayStations are one night. Up, stack them to the ceiling. Turns out, I found out there's there's fine print that says uh, minimum. The store has to have a minimum of nine. So you might get to the store and they've only got nine. Wow. Of them, right. Anyway, we get That's one of those doorbusters that draws <laughs> yeah, people in. Yeah. Man. No, I get there and it drew me in. Yeah. And and the guy's like, "Here you go, man. Last ticket." And, I, and so I take the ticket and I'm like, "Score, wow, awesome." You know, the little kid. Walks up, the woman the woman comes up behind me and she's like is this playstation are there any more tickets you know and he's like no that was the last ticket and the little boy is like does that mean we can't get a playstation mom <laughs> and i was like oh man like i hear this behind me right and then like it was it talk was, about tiny tim bro for, for a minute there dude it just like punched me in the gut and she was like no that means i can't get it now and she said it like real loud and i think there's something about the way she said it but I don't know. I made the decision right there. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> turning around and giving them this ticket because I'm the type of rube that always turns around and gives them the ticket. Sure. You know what I mean? And just this once, I want the damn PlayStation. You know what I mean? I don't want to sit in my <laughs> boxers and play Spider-Man <laughs> this exactly. Christmas. That's all I actually know. With I opened, an eggnog. No, please. I opened it that night. I wanted to do it that night, you know? So, so I go and I, I get in line because now you have to, you got the ticket, you got to wait in the line that circles around. And this guy comes up next to me and he's, you know, just making small talk. He tells me that his, his family's from Alabama, but his wife's family's here. And this is a tradition for them every year. They, they do Thanksgiving at his wife's family's house. And then they black uh, Black Friday shop for like the next fifteen to eighteen hours. Wow! Can then you imagine? Get all the stuff, leave it at Mamaw's house, and then drive back down to Alabama so it's there when they come back. For okay, Christmas. they come back for Christmas. Yeah. It's all wrapped up and under the tree waiting. So for everyone. you know, I was like, man, that's weird. Like just basing. You know, I couldn't. It. It. I. I guess I knew people were doing it, but the fact that it's a part of his holiday tradition. Yeah, was to know. come shop. So I'm wrestling with that when he looks at me and he's like, "You got me good today, though." He's like. That was my wife and son who walked up for the PlayStation. No. And I looked at him and I was like, for real? 
because I'm looking at him and he's holding the ticket. And you only get one, right? He's like, yeah, we were trying to get two, man. She was just oh, trying to scam you out of the ticket. No. That's wrong, oh, like, bro. That's exactly why I didn't give him that ticket. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm really glad that that happened. Or otherwise, I would have felt terrible every time I turned on that place. <laughs> For the next three years, every time you sit down to enjoy a game, yeah. you're thinking of Tiny Tim's <laughs> little face. <laughs> so... That's not to say that is not to say that some people and in some places we have not gotten all twisted out of shape about Christmas. I, I just think though that the roots of Christmas are good and the roots of Christmas are strong. And what gets me, I you know, I don't buy into the whole war on Christmas thing, but but the it feels like there are more and more people who are adamantly like anti-Christmas. I am. I'm one of those people. Well, I, I'm saying to you and them, I'm saying, man, Christmas is what you make it. Like, keep it how you want to keep it. Then, then let's flip it back to the Roman roots. Let's turn shit upside down and and have the have the the, the elite serve us well, for a week. Okay, but why? It's I'm, not how we keep it. It's how they deliver it to us. Not not necessarily, man. Because for one, you don't have to participate in any of that, right? Like, I, I didn't have to go do Black Friday. Sure. Christmas. I don't. I don't buy December, Christmas presents for people. I don't. Go. I just. I December twenty fifth is one day of the year where uh, almost everybody gets the day off in America. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm and, into and, that. And I wish that you know we could do everybody. I get why you you know firemen and cops. I think we talked about that before when we were talking about election day. And you know if if firemen and cops are working, you need a little bit of infrastructure. So the gas station's got to be open. You know, sure. there's there's a skeleton crew that has to kind of run the country. You know, right. Um, and I get that, but it's a day that you're off. You get to spend with your family. So if, if you guys want to, you know, sacrifice goats like they did with Yule, or if you want to play Yahtzee, do whatever you want to do. But, but here's the thing to me, Christmas is hanging out with your family. And, and more importantly, one of the things that I think is, is central to Christmas is the giving it's, it's not about, you know, the, the, the commercialism and, and the getting the PlayStation or whatever, but it's just like doing doing your fellow man a good turn, you know, I mean, helping you, out your brother. You put it in the, in that you put it in that light, and it sounds all fine and dandy. But I don't think many people. I think I think it gets internalized in the in the opposite way in a lot of cases. I think there's there's all these weird things that happen, and people you know spend their last thousand dollars on Christmas presents because Jimmy's gonna be unhappy if he doesn't have the new game under the tree. Uh, yeah. I think it hurts. It hurts poor folks. Poor folks feel like you know they've got to make it this big thing, and and they can't. They can't afford to, but they do anyway. They put it on the credit cards, and they right. they pay the credit cards off for three months, and and uh, who does that benefit? It benefits the rich. It but, benefits the corporations. Yeah, and, but dude, at the same time, everyone everyone talks all the time about this exact subject about how we've lost the meaning of Christmas. Oh, sure, hell, half the Hallmark Christmas shows are about losing the true <laughs> meaning of Christmas, right? So, I mean, like, you know, and I, and I get it that they're they're co-opting that into what they're doing, but at the same no, time... That, that just speaks to how powerful the appropriation is. We're all talking about it, and it still doesn't change. Yeah, but that's... I'm, I'm saying that is that is 100% on us. This is this is one of those deals, man, where it's on us. I mean, it is. How yes. could it not be on us? It is on us. And you, can, and, you can... you can. Check this out. As much as I love Christmas, because I love Christmas. Hey, it's one of those things. I've talked about things I get sappy about before. Christmas is one of them. I don't put up a Christmas tree. 
Do you, I, I when don't you're really flipping do, through the radio station. I don't do decorations. Do you leave it on the Christmas music the I, day after Thanksgiving? I don't really like Christmas music and stuff. <laughs> I, 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 you know, here and there, yeah, like uh, the day of Christmas, but that has more to do with like childhood memories. Because mm-hmm. my grandma, like the the second that you woke up on Christmas, like the carols you know, were even, playing. Even if you woke up at four forty five, like the Oak Ridge Boys Christmas cassette, yeah. was in the radio and blasting. You know, <laughs> nice, I mean? nice, but. uh but yeah, so that's the only day I really get into that. But I, I don't get into all the the side stuff. But I do enjoy watching uh, a Christmas Carol, dude. It's one of my favorite stories. Wow. I do enjoy, uh, you know, uh, singing uh, carols with my family. Yeah. I enjoy that part. I enjoy the the meal and hanging out with everybody and getting to see everybody. And I do enjoy that feeling on Christmas morning. And I mean, you can say that you know it's it's hardcore driven by the fact. Uh, that my my daughter and son are getting, you know, everything their little heart desires or, you know, whatever they're getting. But I enjoy the fact that we're sitting there and we're all happy. And and you know what I mean? And, and, and I think what's interesting to me is Christmas has the potential for people to have a 9-11 type connection without having the horrible terrorist attack. That's the beauty of Christmas <laughs> is because we do kind of get a little nicer to each other in some respect. Oh, that absolutely happens. And I think part of that is, is the Christmas carols playing and you know, the, the, the commercials airing in the movies on TV, yeah. you know, this all influences us uh, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. Right. And in fact, those things that, that, that you like about Christmas Make me hate it even more because truly, <laughs> it, it does. Because truly, I feel like we should be uh, singing with our families every week. I feel like we should be coming together and enjoying life. But instead, it's like this retirement from the grind, right? It's like this this shining light in the cloud of darkness. And we allow ourselves to feel this way on Christmas only. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons I don't buy presents for Christmas. I buy presents for people. If I see something that I think, you know, belongs to you, I'll buy it for you and I'll give it to you. And I'll mm-hmm. say happy birthday, even if it's six months after your birthday, you know, yeah, Merry yeah. Christmas. Here, it's June. Um, I And I feel like those things being held up and venerated as like a special day make it necessarily not okay to do these things all the time. And maybe I'm wrong I don't think that. that. I don't think that's the case. I think it's the reminder. It's the, hey, don't forget to do this. Mm. Don't forget to put this into your life. And I, I think, unfortunately, we do. To your point, that's what, that's what happens is that Christmas does become that day where we do it, and then we say, ah, we're good on that for the rest <laughs> of the year. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we don't, but again... I, I think you should view it as, man, you know, you, Christmas, remember when we were doing doing that stuff is great. Let's do more of that stuff, you know, and, and it turns into New Year's resolutions, and we all know how to keep up with those. <laughs> and by January, like, if anyone's ringing a bell in your general vicinity, you're liable <laughs> yeah. to turn around and smack them in the face. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think there's there's anything wrong with the idea, and I think that we have screwed it up just as much as we've screwed anything else up. You know what I mean? <laughs> which is I, a lot. Yeah, which is a lot, but I'm saying like I, I don't see I don't see the point in singling out Christmas. And I'll tell you one of the things, one of the war on Christmas tropes that I do agree with is the whole thing about people not being able to say Merry Christmas. Right. Happy and, holidays. And here's the thing. I, I I have always had a problem with that because if someone were to wish me happy Ramadan or however you say that. 
Uh, I don't I don't know if it's a merry or happy. I never I always get those confused. Uh, <laughs> if someone was to w- wish me happy Ramadan, I would take it in the spirit it was given. Mm. You know what I mean? Like like and and like, I get, thank you. And I understand I understand that like people you know with Christianity's history and everything, you know I I get where people feel like you know something's trying to be forced on them. But to an extent, I I largely say you know grow up. The guy, the guy at the gas station, man, is not trying to indoctrinate you. He's just, he's just wishing you good cheer, man. He really you know, it's is. Funny if someone, if someone in the grocery store like randomly said "Happy Kwanzaa" to me with a big smile on their face, I would feel really good, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, you thank, would. Thank you. It's Kwanzaa. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Happy Kwanzaa. God forbid you say, "Tell me about Kwanzaa." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it, I'm just saying, like, you know, we talk a lot about like human connections and stuff. Yeah. And shitting on somebody for the way that they wish you good cheer has got to be like one of the the most ill conducive, you know, forms of approaching that. <laughs> to me, there, there's a. It's weird because. I feel like the same people, if you say happy Halloween to some people and they're like, we don't, we don't keep that holiday. That's the devil's business. Right. <laughs> then turn around and say Merry Christmas to that same person. And they're like, how dare you wish me a Merry Christmas? You know? <laughs> I can see a parallel there. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, Halloween borrows trick or treat from Christmas. Yeah. Initially. No, it's, it's all interconnected. Isn't that man. weird? We've spun off the, uh, uh, the poor versus rich part of the holiday into the evil holiday. Oh my! <laughs> and we've kept <laughs> we've kept the raw commercialization capitalist version I th- I as think, the homey like ah oh, we love this. I think the rich and poor dynamic is very present once again in the in the large increase in charitable giving. Okay, around Christmas time that we all push for sure. you know Christmas bonuses at work which. Are often small. I'm not saying that they're not. <laughs> Everyone remembers Clark Giswold. But you're right. No, you, you have club. a really good yeah. point. Uh, yeah. I think Christmas bonuses uh, very much speak to that original intent of yeah. Christmas. That's one of those one of those things that has carried on like a ghost throughout. <laughs> you know, the yeah. long life or lives of Christmas as it's passed through history. You know, all this stuff, commercialization aside, um, there's one thing that we haven't talked about that that really really bugs me about Christmas. Uh, and maybe it has to do with the way I parent. Uh, I, I'm brutally honest to my kids, but it really bugs me that people lie to their kids about Santa being real and they get really mad at people who blow the illusion for them early instead of letting them, you know, find out for themselves. Mm. I mean, I know we've all heard about the crazy mom who's ready to stab someone for telling her kid that Santa isn't real. I think I think those people exist, but I think the vast majority of people when somebody tells their kid that Santa's not real, that is them finding out naturally. Mm. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. What about the ones who like go out of their way to ask you not to tell their kid? Yeah, I'm not just saying they're that like, they're, hey, lie to my kid too. Yeah, just like there are helicopter moms and tiger moms out there. Yeah, I mean there are people who you know get way too into it and take it overboard. That was kind of with with my daughter and what will be the case with my son was the day she came home and asked me about it, you know, the jig was up. If she, you know if she asked you, yeah, yeah, you were yeah. going to like over the goods. Yeah, if she was like some kid told me at school that, you know, Santa's not real, I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, he's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can and respect that. And that's, that. and that's the way it went down. You know what I mean? Actually, she she came home and uh, she, or, I'm sorry, I take that back. 
that's what it ended up being was a kid at school had said something. Yeah. But she did. She didn't mention that when she asked me, she point blank asked me, she was like, you're the one that's putting the presents under the tree at Christmas. Right. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's totally me. me. I was like, whoo, what a load off. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and you know, at first she you was don't like, I think there's like some subconscious, some subconscious level where like kids are walking around and at eight years old, they find out and they go, holy shit, everyone I've ever known has lied to me. Yeah. I will. Bald face lied to me. You don't well, think it affects a kid? It like breaks down their, for one, their belief I in their... I don't know if it necessarily gets the George Carlin pervert voice. Like, I don't know if it's that deep of a <laughs> lie. You know what I mean? But for two... That's my natural voice. What I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's... I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing. I don't. I mean, that is the truth, is it not? What do you mean? Everyone will lie to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, in some way, shape, or form, everyone will lie to not you. Not daddy. Huh? D- daddy will never yeah, lie to daddy you. Daddy will lie to you. Yeah. I mean, any any dad that tells their kid a ghost story that's is true. lying. I made to up him. a terrible, terrible story for Halloween about dumpster baby. We won't even yeah. go there. <laughs> well, there <you> go. Wow. <laughs> I stuck to my guns for like six hours. Oh man. But, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Anybody that'll tell a kid a ghost story, like, it's the, it's the same thing. Yeah. I think, I to me, I don't see a problem with pre- preserving that that childlike innocence and that magic and, you know, letting them let their little hearts dream as long as they can <laughs> before we tell them how this shit actually works. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let them believe. You know? And I say, if they look at Christmas hard enough, it'll illustrate pretty darn well how things actually work. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. As, as you know what, as larger commentary for humanity in general, I think you're right. All these noble goals and aspirations. And then some little, a little kid lying to me on the fly for a, for a black Friday PlayStation. I love it. Uh, so actually, uh, you know, I think we should come clean because we, Lied to all our listeners. We lied to we? you guys. Yeah, but it's sure not did. our fault. We said that, you know, episode 50 was going to be the last episode of this year. It, in fact, wasn't. And here we are doing this episode. So, since, can you tell the listeners why, in the light of the Michael Cohen stuff with Trump and everything, we decided that we would come back <laughs> before the new year for this really important seminal work on Christmas? <laughs> Sure. Well, it was a it was a Christmas wish from one of our our Twitter followers, which was actually awesome and made me feel the spirit of Christmas. Uh, at Ask Dubois, A S K Dubois, said uh, that the only thing he wanted from hashtag Santa Claus was a new episode of the Sense and Theory podcast before the new year. So A S K Dubois, my man, <laughs> you have received the gift. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening. I don't know. Uh, if Santa is quite the evil jerk that would give somebody a sense and theory podcast, for <laughs> but you might've received this from old beansy claws, beansy claws, beansy claws. Hmm. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house sense and theory were waffling though. Who knows what about we'd gathered around speakers for news and insight but heard the case made for Bigfoot and why Trump might be right. The children lie snickering, snuggled up in their beds at the sheer amount of F-bombs this family show said. 
So the missus and I finally called it a night, twixt the defense of Kanye and how the incels are all right. But no sooner had we hit stop, there arose such a clatter that we sprang to the yard to see what was the matter. And what did our eyes see, pierced through the night? But a dashing producer set atop a tall bike. He was a gangly man with a wit charming and funny. He spoke of data and truth and called everyone buddy. His delivery was flawless. His fat game was strong. He pointed out in each show where sense and theory were wrong. But my wife called the cops with their SWAT tanks and tasers. I said, no, honey, why? St. Beans is here to save us. With a wink and a smile, he didn't take it to heart. Simply climbed back on his bike after a big running start. And off into the night, and away he did dash, yelling happy holidays to all. Since in theory are trash. Well, now that is heartwarming. Yeah. See, man, I wish, that's what I'm saying. I wish I could get you into the Christmas spirit. I really, I don't see how that's going to happen. I'm pretty much the biggest Scrooge in the world. And if there was a war on Christmas, I'd be the frontline warrior. No, man, it'd be great. We can we can go wassailing. We can drink eggnog. Well, actually, I, I hate eggnog. But, but You know, now that you mention it, though, I like to sing. I uh, love singing. I, yeah. I actually really like eggnog. If we could like drink eggnog together, do. that would be cool. I do like the real Christmas tree. There you uh, they go. They smell good and, you know, decorating. It's not Appropriate too bad. that the, shit. The yeah. Christmas turkey and stuff. Yeah. Maybe I could get behind some presents this year. Heck Is there yes. anything on your Christmas list? Oh, absolutely, man. You know what I always wanted when I was a kid? G.I. Joe, there was this, the USS flag. It was a giant ship, took up the whole floor of your room. I never got that as a kid, so I'm uh, throwing it. Maybe I could eBay it. Oh, dude. Okay, what do you want for Christmas? Hmm. Be nice. Maybe I'd get into it more if Taylor Swift dropped a Christmas Carol album. This is world-class producer and fact-checker extraordinaire Beanzo of the Sense and Theory Podcast. I want to thank you all for suffering through each show to hear the righteous takedowns I drop on the fellas. Please go like and review us on iTunes. It'll mean a lot to the guys, but more importantly, it'll help keep your old buddy Beanzo on the air. There's links to all our social media in the description, and feel free and tell the fellas how wrong they were at sensetheorypodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week to hear Sense and Theory get all up in they feels when I burn all their hard work down again. Beans are out.